welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. You're now the word of the Lord. And remember that everything is predicated that you hear on verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15. Tax collectors and sinners are all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Verse 8, we pick up the second parable that Jesus tells. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and I invite you to bow with me in prayer. May your spirit, O God, stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of your gospel for these your people in this your day. In the spirit of Christ, all of God's people said, Amen. So in this 15th chapter of Luke, we have parables of lost sheep, lost coins, and a lost son. The sheep's not scolded, the coin's not cursed, because they couldn't find themselves. But both are pursued and found. Both are celebrated. Uh, Friends, this parable of the lost coin, this sense of carrying on with the lost sheep, it's more than just like being at Bucky's in Madisonville and hearing the PA announcement saying, attention, Pete Bear, your party is ready to leave. You ever heard that? This is not just sort of a general PA announcement of, hey, get yourself found. Or as I shared last week in the Vine, the story I love so much about the group of kids that were wandering up and down the street, Ollie Ollie, I'm free, playing lost and found, and you always had your boundaries. And then one man's yard was the old man's yard, and no one was supposed to go in the old man's yard. But they didn't know is the old man was just really sad, but he loved the sound of children. And he would open the front windows, which were hidden by a hedge, go sit in the front room in a rocking chair and listen to the laughter and the love of children up and down the street. One kid that one day was kind of like me. I was a fluffy child growing up. I wasn't really quick. I didn't make skinny then easier than I do today, no matter which way I stand. So the kid decided to go out of bounds and he snuck up against the man's house and hid behind the bushes thinking no one saw him and his friends didn't. They went up and down the street yelling and looking for him. Finally, the old man had had enough. He got out of his chair, went over to the open window and said, Hey, kid, get found. (laughs) Out went the kid. Grace is sometimes saying, Hey, get found. Let yourself be found by God's grace. But the reality is this parable is beautiful because a coin can do nothing to find itself. Now, so much of the teaching of Jesus we miss because we take our 21st century lens and eyes and we think, oh, 
it's just about losing a coin or something. That's, what's the big deal, right? I mean, everybody used to look. I'm sure you know, if you see a penny or a nickel or a dime or a quarter and it's heads up, what do you do? Beat up. But if it's tails up, what do you do? Leave it alone, right? So it's this bad luck, good luck kind of thing. Now in COVID, did anybody notice that during COVID, no one was picking up change, right? <laughs> everybody was afraid. So drop the quarter, drop the, everybody left it down. This isn't just about a lost coin. A couple of things to keep in mind as the listeners of Jesus would hear this. First, if you and I lose something in our house, we flip on the light switch, unless ERCOT's got control of your house, and then you can't, right? So light during Jesus' time wasn't on a light switch. I know you know this, but what did the inside of a house look like? The inside of a home would not have lots of windows. It wouldn't have street lights. It would be at the sunset. It would be very dark, and you would use a candlelight. And then the floor would not be like ours with tile or carpet. It would be a, a floor of, of mud or dirt with sort of um, thatched with straw, etc. So if you lost something or dropped something, you would have the difficulty of dim light by candle to see and how difficult it was to find amongst the dirt and the straw and the thatching. So just to understand the context, it wasn't an easy thing to find the coin. Point number one of this sermon, sometimes we make it really hard to be found by God's grace. Now, here's another fascinating thing. You see, a sheep can wander. We, you heard that last week, right? The wandering sheep can sort of drift away. But sometimes you find yourself like the lost coin. It's really nothing you did. It's just where you find yourselves but you still are lost and you haven't let yourself be found by God. And now when we read this, another point we need to really understand is when we read this text, it's easy for us to gloss right over the surface and think this is just about 10 coins. Some commentators will say, look at the progression of this text, right? You had, you had 100 sheep and one was lost, so now God's going to go look for the one. Leave the 99. We're getting kind of more than that. Now you've had 10 coins and one was lost. We're still looking. And if you work the percentages next week, you're going to hear about two sons and one's the prodigal and takes off. Yeah, you could look through that lens if you wanted to. You could say there's a coin amongst 10 that's lost. Don't think that's really the most important place to focus. And if we peel the layers back to understand what was going on, it's not really about losing your pocket change. It's not about the value of the coin. It's what the coin represented. In the time of Jesus, when a woman was to be wed, she would be given a dowry. And even after having been wed, one of the symbols of her identity was a headdress of coins. And so part of that identity, if you, if you Google, you'll, you'll find all this out. You can do the Google because you can trust everything that you read on the Internet. <laughs> I saw a post last week that said, don't trust everything you read on the Internet. And it was attributed to Abraham Lincoln. So I know you can trust everything <laughs> you can read on the Internet. But do some Google research on your own and you will find out that in this context, this was a parable in just a few verses about someone who has lost part of their identity. 
Because if there was a coin that was missing, it was a reflection of who she was within the standing of her group. And so that's why it seems so odd that she would call all her friends. I mean, doesn't the parable seem a little odd? Who stands in the middle of H-E-B parking lot screaming, I found a quarter, rejoice with me, let's have a party. You know, it doesn't really make sense. But, but now understand the context that in this context of having lost something that was symbolic of her identity, the silver coin, the one amongst ten, that her identity has now been what? Restored, right? It, it's been found. And the powerful image of grace in this context is it is God who searches for us to find who we truly are. Friends, I want to say a word to you about where we are in the world today. We have a biblical understanding and lens as a church that is framed from what is known as the homagio dei in the Latin, built and made in the image of God. All right? Every one of us reflects the image of God. What has been marred is that we have confused living into the image and the description of Scripture for our lives with what it looks like to adapt to a culture where everybody gets offended by anything. And my friends, this culture in which we live that has to cancel everything, cancel culture is nothing more than a social stick man that is self-centered trying to portray itself as some sort of virtue. Our culture needs to learn the art of conversation and staying together and listening to who our neighbor is. Did you hear at the beginning? Think of the biblical witness. The biblical witness is Jesus saying, blessed are those who persecute you. So you know from the very beginning, if you're a follower of Jesus, it may not be your best new life and everything working wonderfully. There may actually be a degree of persecution or struggle in the midst of faithfulness. But we hang in the journey as in the image of God. Did Jesus scold the sheep? The shepherd, no. The shepherd didn't scold the sheep. The shepherd lifts, and the coin is not cursed. God pursues and finds us, and God wants us to be a part of how he is using our voices and lives to connect with the world. That's why we do incredibly crazy things by calling VBS a great week. I mean, it was fantastic. Kids across this sanctuary learning the stories of the faith. One of those was about Nebuchadnezzar. You'll find in Daniel chapter 3. I would sing the song for you, but I, you know, it, it, go, it, starts, off like, it starts off like this. It's getting hot, hot, hot. Now my wife is just saying, stop, just stop, okay? <laughs> so... But they learned the story of the faith that when Nebuchadnezzar said, you have to bow to my image, what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? They said, no. And they learned the whole story through song. And what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said is, we will not kneel to you. We will only kneel to the God of Yahweh, of Isaac and Jacob. And they learn that as part of their story. My friends, we in this world today are still being invited to kneel in many places, in many false altars in our culture. We just dress them up and give them really crafty names. And suddenly what happens is it displaces the biblical narrative of what we understand is being created in the image of God. And what God designs and desires us for. 
And in the midst of all that, somewhere, some part of you and some part of me has been lost. I know a little bit about what it feels like to rejoice when something's found. It was 1991, and we were leading a San Marcos uh, River Mission Project group from First United Methodist Church of Louisville. We had gone out the second night, and if you know Texas State University, back in the 1990s, there is a section of sand volleyball courts that right, is right next and adjacent to part of the river that is just up the way from where you get the rafts and everything. And we had a wonderfully grand time. And one of the youth thought it'd be funny to take the rental keys to the van. And how many rental keys do you get when you get a van? One. My back was to the river. And he thought it'd be really cool to throw the keys towards me, which he did. Now, I had perfect catching and perfect sight. It wasn't my fault. I missed them. One bounce off the concrete, and you know where they went? In the river. Do you know what we have? A problem. We all, we had a youth intern named Bobby Cullen who was about 123 pounds soaking wet and six foot six. He was a scuba diver. He just happened to have his gear. Now, he didn't have the scuba tank, but he had the flippers and he had the goggles. And we literally took a section of rope that we found and Bobby held that and the current was flowing against him and we slowly pulled him across the bottom for about an hour until he came up. And you know what he came up with? The van key. And when he came up with the van key, do you think there was some rejoicing? There was. You know who rejoiced the most? The young man who threw the key. Because what was lost has now been found. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment. But first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. There is rejoicing. And where the church has missed its mark in years past is Leander Keck said it this way in a book called The Once and Future Church, the church must overcome what it has mastered, namely the art of talking to itself. We are here to introduce people to the love of God made known in Jesus Christ. That is our sole and primary purpose. And whether that is done over a meal that children provide or a child that learns the stories of faith or a group that moves out in missional work, or someone who may be just attending and visiting. Maybe you've been going to church for years. I'm a third-generation United Methodist pastor. I call myself a drug baby because every day the doors of the church were open, I was drugged to church. <laughs> but there's a profound difference between coming to church and expecting it to make you a Christian because church is where you go to practice your faith. That's one trajectory. Or church is the place that we come to be infused and encounter a living God that propels and moves us into the world with the love of God. 
Sometimes that is made known over a casserole in a grieving moment. As Methodists, we have specialized in that. What we must recapture is our level of comfort and conversation about who Christ is to each of us. So that we might enable God to use us to help find that which is lost. We don't do the finding, God does. But I deeply believe that God invites us in the story of helping people be found. As I was doing some research for this, I ran across a story and a commentary that I never knew about. And part of the joy of doing research is finding out things in our larger culture and history that may have always been there and we never knew about. I used one example if you want to go back and watch the vine last week in regards to the Titanic. Today, I'm on the heels of Juneteenth. I want to use the imagery of something you probably could quote me on. And if I say to you, what's the name of the person who used this phrase, you could say to me clearly, you know, I have a dream. Martin Luther King Jr. So I want to talk to you a different kind of way and take a twist off this scripture, which is the power of one. Maybe one lost coin that restores a person's identity or one voice that could help shape the trajectory of a nation. One person at any moment can change the trajectory of another person's life. So when we hear these words, I have a dream, we think of Martin Luther King Jr. in his speech at the Lincoln Memorial, which has been fulfilled in many ways in our culture, but is yet to be fully fulfilled. But did you know, did you know that, that that moment almost did not happen? Here's what happened. In the spirit of um, Paul Harvey, here's the rest of the story. Every time I do that, I can see exactly where people are in age in the congregation. Because all the younger kids go, man, there's like an old people cult in here. What's the rest of the story? So Dr. King had determined that day to keep his remarks short. He had a carefully written out speech. One thing we know about Martin Luther King Jr. is he was a brilliant tactician with the spoken word, and he would craft out what he wanted to say. He knew exactly the moments of inflection, and so he wanted to stick with that. He had planned this. He wanted to go no more than 10 minutes. At the end of his 10 minutes, he was done with the script, but, but everybody could sense there was still more that needed to be said. Now, earlier before King spoke, one of the great gospel singers, Mahalia Jackson, was singing. And so she was a few feet behind Martin Luther King Jr. And everybody could sense that something more needed to be said. And it was Mahalia Jackson who spoke up and said, go on. Go on. Tell them about your dream, Martin. Tell them about your dream." And in that moment, a gospel singer's voice encouraged Martin Luther King Jr. to go on. And from that moment spurned these words we all can recite as an aspirational dream yet to be fully fulfilled in our culture. I have a dream. One voice encouraging and changing one person whose words inspired a nation 
to continue living into the change we all dream of. You see, not only is the one coin of value always, always important because of how it is a part of the whole, because you see, if it didn't belong to you, then it couldn't be lost. It wasn't an unfound coin. It was a lost coin, which meant that the coin had to belong to somebody before it was lost. Every one of you bears the fingerprint of God made in His image. And in every one of our lives, we can drift and be lost. Never underestimate the power of one. And never underestimate the closing words of this parable. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. You see, we often craft this together and we think, oh gosh, that's, I wonder who the preacher's talking about. I wonder who's drifted and never been found. I wonder who's never come to the waters of baptism. I wonder, it could be that, but my friends, what if it's you and me in a part of our life that's just been lost and we need to let it be found by God? I hope in this day you will hear you're made in the image of God beautifully, magnificently, and wonderfully, even when you wear the craziest pants that can be found on the internet. I wore these to tell you no matter how you feel about yourself today, when you leave, you've got to feel better than the preacher in his pants today. (laughs) But I'm here to proclaim this day the gospel, which is God pursues you in Christ and will relentlessly sweep the floor And when you let yourself be found, the reign of God, the kingdom of God has a party. Who are you, friends? You see, when Jesus was gathering together, verse 1 of chapter 15 says, the tax collectors, the sinners, They were listening to Jesus. They were gathering together. All but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, who is this guy that has Whataburger with the wounded? Who has Burger King with the broken? Who has McDonald's with the maligned? And that's as far as I can go. (laughs) You get the picture? Let's pray together. God, there's a part of our life that we hear this parable and we know that we've let ourselves be found by you. And it's so clear. I mean, it's where we're committed. It's what we're doing. And yet there's part of our life that we still sort of live in the shadows, that we put a mask up in front of others and we're not honest with ourselves and we are not honest with you, that we have not let ourselves in this part of our life be found. Maybe some of us have never let ourselves be found by you. Maybe we've been found by you and we have been lost and we've been drifted. Things have happened around us or we have been hurt and wounded or confused. God, help us hear the truth that you pursue us, that you love us, and that nothing we do will ever change your love for us in Christ. So let ourselves be found. And give us hearts to be the people who rejoice to hear who Jesus is and his message. 
rather than muttering and being critical of what moves us to places of discomfort and challenge where heaven rejoices over anyone who lets themselves be found. God, we love you. And we thank you for your scripture, which guides us and your love, which is always with us. And all of God's people in the spirit of Christ did say, Amen.